0: Welcome to Indianapolis, Indiana, the 2020 NFL Scouting Combined and the official Titans podcast, better known as the OTP. My name is Mike Keith, joined as always by Amy Wells. Amy, welcome to Indy. Hello, Mike. It's a great time
1: to be here.
2: Ian Rappaport,
0: NFL Network. Thank you for stopping by to see us.
2: No problem. I had nothing else to do in the whole world besides <laughs> see you I'm just wondering,
0: guys. how many cups of coffee a day do you go through at the NFL Combine?
2: Um, it's early, so I'm actually doing fine now. I got up. Uh, I exercised this morning. I feel like a normal human. Um, so this is only my fourth cup today. Um, later in the week, it might get, might get a little more. Yeah.
0: Wow. How late are you on on an average day?
2: Uh well, on TV I'm on until 7:15 and then for the next couple of days and then uh Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday I'm basically on until 11, 11 15.
0: So wow. what is your role in covering the actual on-field workouts for NFL Network? You
2: no, know, usually by the time the on-field drills start, I'm like, cool, like I'm this is like I can chill, I can go talk to sources, which is what I want to do anyway and it's all good. Um this year I'm actually participating in the coverage of the actual drills, having to bring, quote-unquote, knowledge to the situation, which, you know, God help us there, but whatever. Um, so I actually have to, like, be on the field and report and talk about what guys are doing and talk about off-season storylines and all that. Um, it's going to be a little different. I'll actually have to pay attention. But I kind of like the combine. Um, I love the draft, so I'm looking forward to it.
1: That's such a cool thing. So you're almost going to be like a sideline reporter for the workouts.
2: Yeah. So I'll, we have Kim Jones who will be there interviewing coaches and talking about, you know, the drills and all that. And I'll be there to talk about the the news, you know, the um, what happened with Tua's medical and who's rising and who's falling and who threw well and what it means and all that. A um, little bit of a different role this year, but... Um, it's in prime time, and I think a lot of people are going to be watching, so it's all good.
0: How is Tua Tungavaloa doing right now in terms of winning the Combine Medical, which is what he sought to come here and do?
2: Um, I think it's going well, you know, and they've been, Alabama has been, um, you know, Tua and his reps, as much as they can, have been pretty transparent about the process, so I didn't really know what to expect coming here, but I'm not sure there's been any revelations yet. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't think we're, there's going to be something where we're like, holy cow, I can't believe this happened. You know, the three-month check came out really good. No blood loss in his hip. The wall fracture uh, has healed. He's walking okay. So, I think everything looks really good. But, you know, like, it's it's a medical and there's no way to predict. So, someone... will have to be taking a risk whenever they take him but is the talent so great that you're willing to take that risk
1: while we're talking about quarterbacks I haven't had the opportunity to say this sentence yet today Joe Burrow's tiny hands and so this feels like a good time to bring that up I think it's trending (laughs) I think it might be trending Um, but in all seriousness we take these measurements they measure everything on these guys why is that a valuable thing Or is it really?
2: You know, I think it's sort of cool to be like, ah, tiny hands. Like, who cares? Funny, stupid scouts. I'm not so sure it's that dumb, honestly. I mean, he's going to be playing in a place where it's going to be outside. The weather in Cincinnati is not the greatest of all time. Um, It rains. It snows sometimes. Like, you know, how a guy can grip a ball actually matters. He's a quarterback. So, you know, I don't think it's a reason for him to go, like, 20th. But it's a thing. It's a thing like a lot of things, you know. Um, so, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's all kind of stupid. Um, but if it – you know, if he had 10-inch hands, would he fumble less maybe? I don't know. Uh, it's it's at least not something that I think is completely stupid.
0: Well, I mean, it was a big deal for Russell Wilson. It was one of the things because he has very he large – enormous hands. He has enormous hands, and that was something they said that helped about his lack of height is because he had large hands – he could throw the ball over yeah. over his head easier, and it maybe eliminated some of the concerns about his height. So, I mean, it can work both ways. I want to go back on something else, though. I mean, you report on everything. How difficult is it to report on medical-type issues in cases around the draft, free agency, from the standpoint about being extra careful for you?
2: Yeah, I mean – you know, I would say I spend a lot of time reporting on medicals. I spend a lot of time talking about injuries during the season. And, you know, look, if a player's out for the season with a torn ACL, it's what it is. Like, he's he tore his ACL and he's out for the season. And as it relates to the season, like, that's the story. And then who replaces him? Okay, that's it. In the draft, it's very different because, like, like for Tua, for instance, he had two ankle surgeries at Alabama, tightrope ankle surgery, something a lot of people are not familiar with. How the x-rays come out on his ankles, what surgeons and doctors think of him, is important, but no one quite knows how important because, you know, these are all news stories, what people think of him, but how does it actually affect the next 15 years? It's all projection. No one actually knows. I mean, there are people who, um, you know, have had medical red flags at the Combine and taken off team's boards and have gone on to play 10 years. You know, Gronk was off a lot of teams' boards. That's um, why he was in the second
0: round. Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, so that's kind of the problem. So when I find out there's like a serious medical issue, you know, I'll talk to a source, I'll talk to another source, and then I'll talk to the player's agent usually or the player and just make sure that they have a chance to explain or respond or just know what I'm going to be reporting.
0: So you work even harder on that.
2: Much harder. It's And it's always – it's always annoying, honestly, because, you know, I will know the truth and everyone fights you because it could affect their draft stock. Um, but the truth is the truth. So usually you get to a point where you report what it is as long as you let the player kind of respond.
1: Do you have to be careful because medical stuff is personal and there's privacy things associated with that as a reporter are there ways that you need to protect yourself when reporting things like medical conditions and things like that
2: i think it's really the same where you just protect your source like i'm not subject to hipaa or anything so i can sort of say what i i can say what i want um i but still like you're overly careful because first of all it's a guy's personal health second of all you know if i say something that god forbid is wrong like you could cost a guy a lot of money for being wrong if it's right it's just right like it's just right um but if it's wrong that's that's really bad so i think that's just sort of what you're careful of
0: what's there a story that you covered in 2019 ian rapaport that you were proud of stuff a story you broke
2: trying to remember what i actually broke um is difficult um i would say the uh, for you guys, and I actually think of this a lot, you know, there's stories that I'll break like, we spent a lot of time two years ago on where was Des Bryant going to play? He ended up with the Saints, we bit, did a huge deal on it, we talked about it on TV plenty, and then he tore his Achilles and didn't play and nobody cared. Like, it was that was a story that we spent a lot of time that had literally no consequence. It, it did not affect the season. Um, breaking that Ryan Tannehill was going to be the Titans' starter um was it was great personally for me because um, it's a you know breaking a starting quarterback's a big deal but it literally was the spark plug for changing not the story obviously but Tannehill and him coming in you know it was a story that we got to watch play out so I was happy to break it and then to watch it unfold and to know that how much consequence the quarterback change had was just kind of honestly fun for me. Plus, the fact that, one, Tannehill's a great guy. Two, that Mariota handled it like an absolute pro. Like, just, you know, I mean, just incredible. Um, It was all really interesting and fascinating to watch, and I I was proud of that one.
0: Are you surprised Ryan Tannehill did as well as he did?
2: No, I'm really not. He's always been pretty good. It's just, you know, the Dolphins moved on because they just wanted someone else. I mean, I don't... They just wanted someone else. It's always about health for him. He's been a good quarterback. He's Every time he's played, I mean, he took the Dolphins to the playoffs. He didn't get to play in it, but he took them there. He's always been a good quarterback. It's, you know, either he's injury prone or he's had bad luck. My guess would be he's had bad luck. But... I think he looked look pretty good this year.
1: Is this offseason one of the crazier off seasons that you've been a part of? Because we've got a free agency coming up that's just stacked full of big names for becoming free agents. We have, obviously, the draft. There's a lot going on with that. There's the CBA that players and everybody's working on. It seems like there's a lot of NFL news swirling around right now.
2: It's usually like this. The only thing that's different is, Tom Brady I mean that's it's you know I went away on vacation last week and everybody in the world wants to stop you and say where's Tom Brady going I mean I will have you know I sat next to an NFL official on the plane hey by the way where's where's Brady going you know when I walk around here in the in the hallways it's where's Brady going I mean everybody wants to know and obviously there's only a couple people who know and maybe even they don't actually know but to have a story like that hanging out there makes this offseason a little different.
0: Well, go find out where Tom Brady's going to go, if you would.
2: I would hope I would
0: find <laughs> that. Yes. Ian Rappaport, thank you so much for taking time. No, you got to get back to work. We appreciate you joining us on the OTP.
2: All right. Thank you, guys. Always enjoy it.
0: Joined now by the man who may be my favorite radio host in the country. Liar, liar. I'm not a liar. <laughs> Pat Kerwin, SiriusXM XM NFL Radio, moving the chains. I love listening to your show, and you have great callers, and you have great guests, and you have great information. Do you ever get tired of talking about the NFL?
3: No. You know, it's funny. In life, you think you know what you want to do, and I was in the NFL for a long time, but when I got in the media end of it, it was okay. Writing was labor, but but I did it, and then along came radio in the middle of all this nuttiness, and I, I still do the NFL Today Show on CBS 14 or 15 years of coaching Boomer and Bill Cower and the boys. But the radio became like, I, I absolutely can't wait for three o'clock. Like I never had a job that I couldn't wait for it every day. And I love it. So the, we've nurtured a great fan base of callers that are smart guys. I mean, I give them all homework. <laughs> so you can't come on and just have a gut feeling. We don't have gut feelings, on our show. So it's, it's been really good to develop it all. And, uh, I'm pretty sure I'm just going to do radio until it's over. Explain what you do with the NFL today on CBS, if you would. Yeah, I'm in charge of the content that the guys are. So I know I'm really the only person that knows what everyone's going to talk about. So spontaneity is important in television, and it's important in radio as well. But So what I know is what they're going to say, and then I decide personally if I think they have enough content to win an argument. With They don't even know where the argument's coming from, but... <clears throat> Going, you know, you only got two points. You you got a good opinion, but you only have two points behind you. There's someone in the audience that's got seven points, so you're gonna get wiped out so fast. It's not funny. You might wanna think about some more things. I'll send you a list of things to consider, to have in your repertoire of reasons why. So I I basically live in the neutral world of, oh, what do you want to be against the CBA or for? You want to be against it? Okay, here's ten things. You want to be for? It? Here's ten for you. You know, whatever. So. And I've done it forever. I've done it with a lot of different hosts, James Brown, Jim Nance, Greg Gumbel, and then a lot of different guys, Shannon Sharp and all of them, know the personalities, know where their passions are. And one guy, Bill Cower, calls me every Tuesday, he calls it the Cower Hour. So Tuesday mornings, we talk from 8.45 till about 10.30, just fishing for things until I say, you know what, that, y- your voice was actually excited about that. So, you, that's the subject you got to go to. Or I remind them, you're the only coach on the set. You know, other guys are players, so they're going to naturally give player perspective. You're the only guy who can give coach perspective. And coach perspective is usually in conflict with players' perspective, so we can stir Bill into the pot. So
1: Now, how did you end up in that role with yeah. that job?
3: Well, CBS, way back when, when I was available to do stuff, and I was living out in New York, they they found out that the talent will not listen to TV producers that never were involved in the sport. So when a producer comes and says, we'd like you to talk about, you know, 3-4 defense, even if it's a good idea, they're not going to do it because the guy asking them never played, never coached, never ran a team, never did anything, and they turn them off. So they found me one day and they said, would you be interested in kind of coaching our guys because they aren't listening to anything we tell them and their contents weak. So there's two problems, right? They're not listening and they don't have a lot to say out of shtick, and unless it sticks. So I said, well, I'll try it. I don't think I want to do this very long. This sounds like a really bad job, but <laughs> 15 or whatever it is, 14 or 15 years later, I'm still doing it. And I really like it. It's uh. It's just interesting to to, because they want to be great. Because every guy I've ever been around as a player wants to be coached. They accept me as their coach. I don't come on very hard to them. I just say, "Look, if you want to do that, you can," but you're going to lose. Would you like to win that argument? You know, and they always hear the word "win." They go, "Yes, of course." So that's why I do it, and it's fun. It's uh, so it overlaps with the radio in a lot of ways. To prepare for, I do radio six days a week. Four hours a day during the season and they're on Sunday so I've done six days of concentrated football on every possible level so by the time I get to them on Sunday mornings I'm you know like I got more than I need I mean it's not a long show getting them ready for halftime is usually a different story altogether but the pregame show you know there's always about five hot topics that that, that a show should touch on so it's fun
0: you are CBS's and the Sirius XM NFL radios universe, you're their Dave McGinnis. You're what Dave McGinnis does for Titans radio. Yeah, like he, does the, so. he does the exact same thing for us. And it's been, you know, he came straight out of football and yeah. went into media and didn't really think he wanted to do it. And now he's touched such a nerve in that different way because it takes something special to communicate it in a way like John Madden did that everybody can get it.
3: Yeah, it's not rocket science, but there are a lot of guys that like to make believe it is. And I think it's a protective device where they code things in languages that, oh my God, what does that all mean? And maybe it's too hard to understand. So, and plus the business end of it, I love this. I made more of my own progress with the off because I, I know the cap. I know I negotiated hundreds of contracts. So, so now is the time to really make it simple and so easy to understand how it all works. It's not rocket science, even in the off season. But but a lot of guys don't do it. Most of the players who do TV and radio disappear in the off season, because that's not even their world. But you and I were talking about walking over here. They're up to a CBA vote at some point, and I guarantee 80% of the guys never read it all. And they didn't even read the CBA, so they don't even know what their name is signed to. And the reason I got in the front office was I was coaching – And I decided I'm going to read Pete. I was with Pete. I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read the CBA cover to cover, and I'm going to have a million questions, and I'm going to league office, and I'm going to ask every one of these. So he goes, why are you doing that? I said, because we shouldn't be coaching a team if we don't understand the rules. (laughs) You can go figure out the ref's rules. I already know they can't do anything right. Let's see if I can do the CBA right. Can I ask a Pete Carroll question? Sure. Okay, so Still one of my best friends.
0: So he's this up-and-coming coach with the Jets. Becomes head coach. That doesn't work. Goes to the Patriots. Has some success with the Patriots. Doesn't win as much as they obviously have since. But he was doing okay. And then he ends up at SC and has this unbelievable run at Southern Cal. Goes to Seattle. Third stop in the NFL. Amazingly successful. Does any of that surprise you after no. kind of how it started for
1: him? No, I'll
3: go back to the beginning. So he's he's a coordinator at the Jets. Right. And they decide, they meaning um, the president, decide to give Pete the head job and dismiss um, Bruce Coslett. And he gave Bruce, uh, Pete a four-year deal. Mr. Hess turned out he didn't want, he wanted Bruce Coslett to have the full complement of his contract, which the president decided not to. So he released pre- Pete after one year, about 360 days. He wasn't even the head coach for a full year. And uh the irony of it was the night he got released, he and I spent about three or four days putting a whole format together to present to him about what we're who we're gonna fire, coaches, players, the big step towards fixing this place. And Pete walked in, and I was going next. So we're in a room, and and the president came and said, all right, Mr. Hesp, uh, he wants to see Pete first. So Pete walks in. About 15 minutes later, Pete comes back to me and goes, I'll be in my office, dude. I'm going to Disney World, which I always knew he said every time he got fired at a job. The first thing he did was go to Disney World. So he looked at me and goes, I'm going to Disney World. You're up next. I go, holy (laughs) they (laughs) They just fired him. And. I went in there, and I figured they're going to fire me next. I'll be down there trying to get on that bus to Disney World, and then they gave me a huge promotion. And Mr. Hess, when I was walking out of the office, said, hey, you know, when I fired Pete, he turned around and said, don't screw up Pat because you need him. He's the one guy that can keep this thing glued together. So he landed up getting me a promotion while he was being fired. So in between, after he left the Jets, he went to the 49ers, if you recall, as a defensive coordinator. So then off to the Patriots. He's going to follow Parcells. But Parcells had full control, and when Bob Kraft bought boarded, he did not want to have a guy with full control, so he split all the jobs up, and Pete was coaching a team but not managing the personnel. That was a disaster. So now he's out of work. I'm out of work. And I call him up and go, hey, the, the kickoff classic was Penn State and USC at the Meadowlands. I said, come on, we'll go to the g- game. We'll get a couple of beers. We'll sit up in the stop and save and just feel sorry for ourselves. And I, his wife and my wife went to the beach for the day. We get there, and Ernie Accorsi sees us going in. He goes, come on, don't go up no seats. Just come down the field. We get down on the field, and Pete goes, he, he always kind of thinks like this. He goes, I, I think I want to be a college coach. He goes, I love these bands. <laughs> I, he goes, I love, the, I love these young kids. I get it, yeah. He goes, this is so damn exciting. <laughs> I said, okay, well, okay, great. So two months later, he goes to me, hey. SC called I go oh my gosh so that was it he was going SC and he was excited to do it and he had this vision of it and he said some crazy things to me while he was at SC but the number one reason he's successful in Seattle was he found out that I'm the GM of USC I'm the head coach and I I recruit the players which makes me the GM and he said I'm never going back in the NFL unless I have full control and Seattle gave him full control
0: you have more great stories I would love to sit and ask you more, but I know you've got to get back to the radio. Thank you for what you do. No and, man. And every afternoon. I mean it is it's you get me home so many days on Sirius XM NFL radio and I'm sure you didn't want me to cover just Pete Carroll, but, no, uh, you but, you but asked me a long th- long No, question. but <laughs> we I mean just talking stories is just so great. Pat mm-hmm. Kerwin, thank you so much.
3: You're welcome. And I got Pete coming up next, so I'm not missing that one. <laughs> See you guys. Joined now at the table
0: by an NFL insider for ESPN, Dan Graziano. Thank you so much for taking time with Amy and me.
4: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: So when I watch ESPN and I watch any of the 9 to 10 hundred NFL <laughs> shows you're on, how many different shows are you on?
4: Uh, we got this time of year NFL Live and Get Up and uh, whatever sports center's on that particular hour. So, you know, Can I, ask a ver- I go
0: wherever they need me. Uh, can I ask a very honest question? Do you ever forget which show you're on and who you're on with?
4: No, because it's all in different rooms. Okay. Ah. Okay. Well,
0: that's helpful, (laughs) right? Absolutely.
4: Yeah, I know where to go. No, I mean, it's it's, – and it's all – I mean, everything's different. Like, every show wants something different. NFL Live, we dive in a little bit. You know, Get Up is more treetops, I think. And we talk about Dak Prescott, I think, every – Every day, <laughs> yeah. I think. I keep saying, I hope I'm there when he signs. Like, I hope I hope I'm on that show that day because it's been. Uh, but you know, it's been great. I, yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too far into. But I mean, I was a baseball writer at newspapers for 14 years. I never in my wildest dreams imagined TV or even football, really. So, the last 10, 12 years have been pretty cool.
0: Do the people who are considered the experts at ESPN have specific areas of expertise? in which they rely on you guys on?
4: No, I think not necessarily. I mean, yeah, there are such people there. Like we'll have Jim Nagy that runs the Senior Bowl will work for us. Like, I, think, I think it's kind of a seasonal deal where he'll do some NFL lives during draft season. And obviously, you know, Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay have this specific draft-related um, you know, role. And we have people on our staff that have been in front offices or have been head coaches or have been players. So I think, you know, you gravitate toward that. People in my role, more like news and information types, Um, but yeah, whatever. I mean, they've had me host the show. I mean, it's just, you know, what I'm like the Swiss army knife guy, I guess.
1: So tell me about your journey from being a baseball writer to an NFL insider on ESPN.
4: Well, I mean, unfortunately, I think, you know, people know what's going on in the newspaper industry, right? So in 2008, I'm working for the Newark star ledger covering the Yankee covering baseball, Yankees and Mets. And, um, they bought out half the staff. So I took a buyout offer and the job I got next was at a place called AOL Fan House. They were hiring a bunch of writers at that time. But the, the job they had was a football job. And I had done a little bit back when I started out in Florida when I was at Palm Beach and I had done some dolphin stuff as a backup. So they offered me that job and I got into it. And then that only lasted two years because it was bloated and, and they were spending too much money and that new CEO blew the whole thing up. But by that point, I had done enough little bit here and there TV with ESPN, so I had made some friends. And then I was able to position myself, I guess, where when they had a job opening, they called me. It was the NFC East blog. They used to have a a blog for each of the eight divisions. So I got that job, and then two years later, they went to the 32-team model. They put me on the Giants, which was the closest team to my house, which was nice of them. And then uh, at that time, they started a show called NFL Insiders, which ran four years. And uh, that was where I kind of got my real sort of regular TV break i guess they started using me on that when that show ended they they're using me on nfl live and sports center and whatever else is going on so it's been fun
0: outside of all the cba discussion what's the most intriguing nfl storyline right now to dan graziano
4: i think quarterbacks i think it's 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 this bizarre off season where there's this many free agent quarterbacks big name free agent quarterbacks i think there's the potential for a lot of Kind of status quo, but there's also potential for chaos, right? Like if Tom Brady leaves New England, like we're in an all bets are off situation, right? I mean, so I think I think you could look and see you can get to 10 or 12 teams that you can look and say they're probably gonna have different starting quarterbacks next year, and uh, I think that's fascinating. What's Brady gonna do? Is there a market for Philip Rivers? You know, are, is Tennessee gonna bring back Tannehill or going a different direction? I mean, like the, all kinds of stuff. The guys, the former number one number two overall picks and Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota we don't know where they're going to end up so I think the fact that it's quarterback and and that you usually don't see a lot of quarterbacks involved in the free agent market I think that makes this an unusual year
1: of the 2019 season we saw a lot of different stories unfolding in 2019 what specifically grabbed your attention
4: in 2019 season yeah hmm let me think I'm trying to think. I did uh, did a bunch. I'm trying to think where I was. I did a bunch of 49er games in the second half. I think them
0: They were fascinating. Bouncing. They were. I mean, to be 4 and 12 and yeah. to bounce back and be that dominant.
4: So they, you know, five first round picks in the defensive front seven. So it seemed like Nick Bosa kind of unlocked everyone else and then that thing just kind of popped when they got the quarterback back healthy. So yeah, I mean yeah, I think the kind of maybe the decline of the Patriots a little bit. I know we don't want to say decline because then they'll bounce back and win the next three Super Bowls on us. But <laughs> uh, just the fact that they weren't kind of the team that we have been used to seeing them be the last 20 years. So I think uh, I think that was interesting to follow as the year went along. And I mean, individual stuff. I mean, you know, your team was I went to two two Nashville games. One was the Chiefs game, which was crazy. And then one was the Saints game where Henry sat out, which turned out to be a really smart uh, move. But it was fun to see that team, you know, as the second half went along, kind of build and, you know, I, I don't know. It was, I, I don't know that there's one dominant storyline I can remember. Was, they bounce me from game to game every single week, and I'm not usually on one consistent uh, run with a team, which is good. I, I, I don't know whether I'm, you know, I have like an attention deficit <laughs> situation or what, but I kind of like the variety.
0: Everywhere that Amy and I go right now, every question – is about Derrick Henry. Are, yeah. the, are the Titans going to re-sign Derrick Henry? And I think we're overwhelmed at the amount of national attention that this story is even getting. Should we be surprised?
4: No, I, I think because running back's weird. I mean, like these the big running back contracts that have been given out the last couple of years, people aren't thrilled with them. You know, David Johnson, Arizona, is really not using anymore. Todd Gurley has had injury issues. Ezekiel Elliott had a good year, but, I mean, one year on the big contract. So I think, you know, if, if you're Derrick Henry and you want to cash in – Are you entering a market where teams, including your own, are reluctant to do that for you? And I think running back's tough. And I'm looking at Henry's situation thinking, I I mean, like, just from a cold management perspective, he's kind of made for the franchise tag. Like, I would franchise him this year and I'd franchise him next year because he had a guy that almost had 400 touches. And obviously he's a different kind of guy. I'm watching highlights of him right now. Uh, He's incredible to watch. But you know he gets hit a lot right and how long can you bank on it lasting so maybe he's a special guy maybe he's a different guy that lasts but if you're a team trying to make that long-term bet it can be a little could be a little scary at that position
0: why didn't a.j brown win rookie of the year
4: i think it was who won it the quarterback yeah the, mm. uh, kyler murray that's one of your answers well, right? So, <laughs> so um, won five games Yeah, no, I I hear you. I think uh, AJ people were probably uh, to slow on the uptake in terms of what he was doing. I think uh, you know it was really a lot of December, November, and December, especially December stuff, right? I mean, I he was a nice pickup for me in fantasy football, like I, I enjoyed. When did you get him? Yeah, you know, right around like right around Thanksgiving. Well, so, ah, good. perfect. Yeah, yeah, so that was good. So I look ahead, and maybe keep him next year. But uh, <laughs> um, is it a keeper league? But I think yeah, yeah, you get a couple. I don't want to get into that right now. It's a, <laughs> it a disappointing finish. Uh, but um, I, I think you know, look, he's a that team. You know, isn't necessarily a you know one of the bigger, you know, attention markets in terms of relative to others, but uh, and of course the reputation is that they were a running team. I think when you went to their games, you saw their games, you saw the difference he was able to make. When you talked to people on the coaching staff, even early in the season before his numbers really popped, they were talking. I mean, they they loved the guy, and they're talking about the the contributions he was making weren't showing up in the stats in the box score. So he had a couple of games where. He kind of looked and visited the Kansas City game. He didn't do anything in that game, right? But, I mean, that because Kansas City decided he wouldn't, and so they decided they had to go to Humphreys or whoever else was going to make plays for them. So I think it's a combination of he doesn't play quarterback, he doesn't play in one of the league's biggest markets, and I think it was kind of late in the season before people kind of got wind of what exactly he was doing.
1: You mentioned it earlier that there are a lot of quarterbacks who are kind of on the move this year or could potentially be on the move. In your heart of hearts, deep in your gut, deep in your soul, do you think Tom Brady ends up playing for a different team in 2020?
4: I think if I had to bet yes or no, I would bet no. I'd say he's going back to the Patriots, but I'm not confident about it. I just, you know, if you're making me pick one side, that's what I'd take, because it seems to make so much sense. All I know about Tom Brady is he wants to be a free agent. He's excited to be a free agent. That means talking to and listening to other teams, and if he finds out that the grass is not greener, then maybe he goes back. But it, there is a definite chance that he leaves, and I'm not all the way sure that like people in New England have their arms around that just yet. I think there's absolutely a chance that he plays for another team next year. Uh, I wish I could tell you which one it's going to be.
0: If he does, can you make a sports comparison to him in another uniform?
4: Well, let's see. I mean, you know, he wasn't a quarterback, but I mean, I remember Jerry Rice playing for the. Raiders at the end but a bunch of Niners went other places yeah, that's true I remember Willie Mays playing for the Mets I mean I don't remember it but I know what happened um, you know, Babe Ruth played for the, the Boston Braves. Right. You know, <laughs> I mean that that's I mean, probably it, I, right?
0: I, I mean there have been a lot of But guys. he was
4: but see he was done. That's the thing. Like is Brady Brady's probably gonna go somewhere and help somebody win right? next year. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to think what the comparison I mean, I guess Montana and the Chiefs, right? Montana like the, and
0: the Chiefs, of course, Joe had been hurt. Right. And and Steve Young had taken over. It wasn't like he departed still on a playoff team right? and
4: uh, same thing with peyton manning and the colts he got right. hurt mm-hmm. or else he would have pro- probably finished his career here so uh yeah we've seen it yeah. but usually unusual circumstances not like the guy just decides he doesn't want to be there anymore which again i don't know if he has decided that i don't know if he will decide that but it's definitely possible.
0: But all this drama is good for business. Love isn't it. it.
4: I was disappointed when Breeze announced he was coming back because I <laughs> said you, it, you want the you want the chaos, right? You want the, like it's it's. I think it's fun. I think the league likes it too. I mean, when you talk about off season transactions and who's going to go where, and I think I think the league likes the attention being on it in the off season. Obviously, you know it's the most popular sport when it's in season, but it has a pretty well viewed off season as well. So this is only going to help with that. All
0: right, Dan Graziano's last opinion. Does the league keep a review element in place for pass interference going
4: forward? Yes. I think if they got rid of it completely, they'd have too much resistance from the coaches, which is what happened last March anyway and how it got through. But I do think there will be modifications to it because I don't think anybody really liked the way it worked this year.
0: Follow-up. Is it in the hands of the sky, Judge, that, we're, that the coaches want?
4: I don't, I don't think it'll go that far. It's possible at some point it does, but this off season, I still think there's too much resistance on the ownership side to that. So I think you'll see modifications to how it's administered in-game, and you'll probably see like, behind-the-scenes instructions given to officials on like, hey, this is how we want this officiated versus how it was officiated last year. So I think you'll see a change, but I don't think it'll be that dramatic.
0: Dan Graziano, ESPN, thanks for your time. My pleasure. That's going to do it for the official Titans podcast. For Amy Wells, I'm Mike Keith, and we appreciate you listening to the OTP.